0: The best games, the best fans, the best on the bayou, the best,
1: the best,
0: the best. The best ESPN
1: Lafayette, the best ticket in sports, great
2: Scott! the
3: great Scott show, and as they
2: head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the great Scott show, the champion, with Scott Prather, steal the show.
0: welcome into the Great Scott Show. Going up on a Tuesday. Happy to have you with me this morning. Jay Walker will be in in the eight o'clock hour. little TTT. We'll talk college football. we'll talk Cajuns this hour. I have Dr. Thomas Fink on. He specializes in uh, sports medicine, non-surgical sports injuries. Kind of like the one Jameis Winston's dealing with in his back and his four broken or fractured vertebra. Doctor Fink will be on at about seven fifteen, and I, you know, what's some insight into that? How is that? How is that impacting the deep ball? How is that impacting Jameis on the field? What is the pain threshold for that? Can it get worse? Got some questions. I'm not a doctor, but he is. Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour Podcast going to join later this hour as well. Are the Saints in trouble? It's only two games into a long season. Do you want to make big deals out of the first two games? Well, I would say you can if you're the Bills or the Eagles because they look fantastic last night. We got two Monday night games, and the Eagles and Bills won in routes. I mean, remember when the Eagles beat the Vikings in the <clears throat> 2018 NFC title game? You probably didn't. You're probably so just fed up from the week before when Marcus Williams just totally whiffed and the Saints lost. But, uh, you know, it, it it felt like that. They were beating the Vikings, beating them down. And, you know, it's look, it's Kirk Cousins. He's going to put up great stats every year, but whenever he is in a big-time spotlight game, he's going to struggle. What's new? That's what happened. But that defense did not look good against an Eagles team, and Jalen Hurts looks great. 333 yards and a touchdown in the air, 74 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. And I don't think the Vikings' defense is trash either. And then on the other side of it, the Titans, you know, they're not even, I, I don't care that they were one seed last year. They don't even look like they belong in the same league as the Bills. Josh Allen was great, 327 total yards, four touchdown passes, three of them just to find, uh Diggs. Try guarding him. Darius Slay was great on defense for the Eagles. Justin Jefferson, he was on top of them all night. He did have a scary moment last night. Bills cornerback Dane Jackson had to leave the game in an ambulance, taken to a local hospital. Was in full control of extremities, that's a good thing, but, you know, who's who else right now through 2 weeks has looked as good as those two teams you got some other 2 and 0 teams i get it but are you going to put the chiefs ahead of the eagles look they got the chiefs have the best quarterback got a good defense but they probably you know they shouldn't have even won tuesday night if if everett doesn't just stop running around for the chargers it was a 14 point swing the pick six Chiefs are good, but I, I Bills and Eagles are probably one and two right now. Outside of that, you know the Dolphins have looked really strong. Granted, they didn't look strong for a few quarters Sunday, but when you come back in the fourth quarter after trailing thirty-five to fourteen, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. We'll see what happens next week, though, when the Dolphins host. The Buffalo Bills. So outside of that, who has just looked like world beaters in the league through two weeks? You have, you know, another 2-0 team in the Bucks. You know, they, they look good against a, a Dallas team and, and a Saints team that couldn't do much offensively, but their offense didn't look great. And Brady, look, Brady's... They're 2-0, oh, all right? I'm not saying he's, he's cashed. He's done. But does he look happy out there? Doesn't he just look kind of miserable? He's skipping every Wednesday practice this season. It's a personal life thing. But does he look like a guy right now enjoying the last stage of his professional life? I don't know. Again, we're only two games in. Outside of that, I mean, you you know, the Rams are one and one. Chargers are one and one. Ravens are one and one. Packers are one and one. Vikings are one and one. Look good one week, awful the next. Niners look bad week one, look good with Jimmy G. Bengals are zero and two. I mean, Denver's one and one, but they didn't look good in either game. Detroit, you know. They probably should be a little higher in the rankings. They look really good yesterday. Their one loss was three points to that Eagles team. You know, the Saints, the Cardinals. And, and no, don't don't give me the the fact that the Giants are two and zero. They should be way up there. I mean, they shouldn't. You've got a lot of teams that are zero and two or one and one that had high expectations coming into the season. It's early in the season. Point is you got a couple teams look really strong and then the rest of the league through two weeks anyway is wide open. It's wide open. Speaking of the Bucks, Mike Evans suspended one game by the NFL. One game. I think it's funny that John Runyon is the guy with the NFL office that gets to decide the punishment or announce it Remember when that cat played for Philly at the on the O-line? I mean, he was one of the dirtier players in the game. One of the dirtier players in the game. And now he's saying, well, you know, you pushed the guy from behind. That's pretty dirty. It was. And I think the NFL telling you that they're only suspending one guy is a reminder that they got it wrong on Sunday. But that puts him out of the game against the Packers. See, Tampa has Green Bay and Kansas City the next two weeks. If they're 4-0 after that, I'll, I'll sit here eat my words, and say, you know what? They are undoubtedly the favorite in the NFC South, and they're really good. But they're not going to be 4-0 in two weeks, guys. I'm just telling you.
3: They're not. They're not.
0: And not having Evans, that's going to hurt him against Green Bay, considering, you know, they're missing a lot of guys already. You know, Brady and Rodgers out there throwing the ball to who knows. I mean... Are any of these guys right now that are available at wide receiver for either, either of those teams in this game looking strong? Should look like the Saints' receiving core from a year ago. Cole Beasley signed into the Bucks' practice squad. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. As I mentioned, I I, I have questions about Jameis' back injury. It felt like it was impacting him, especially on the deep throws that were way off. And if he doesn't have the deep throw down, then what is he doing out there? If he's too hurt to play, what is he doing? If you leave it up to the player, they're going to do it, especially a guy that's lost his starting job before and has fought to get one back. So what do you do as a coach? You talk to your medical staff. What does your medical staff tell you? Well, You know, it's more of a pain thing. Jameis, pain, pain everywhere. Jameis, can you play? Can you play through the plane? Yeah, coach. It's not an easy... It's easy to sit back after the game and say, oh, he shouldn't have been out there. The coaches should have done something. The coaches don't know that pain. They're not the ones feeling it. They know the guy tells them, I can go. And the doctor said, yeah, if he says he can go, he can go. But what does that entail? And I've always had that issue of like, well, you know, the injury can't get any worse. I'm like... But could it it slow down the healing process by playing with it? But I'm no medical expert. Our next guest is Dr. Thomas Fink is going to join us. He specializes in these kinds of injuries. And uh, he is from Lafayette, working in New Orleans now, but looking forward to talking to him next. Andrew Juge coming up after that, but we'll get a little bit more insight into that injury. And from there, maybe draw some stronger opinions about what the Saints should do as it pertains to Jameis Winston and that back injury. It's the Great Scott Show coming at you on a Tuesday. Jay Walker joining me in studio in the eight o'clock hour. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. (laughs) ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott show. I am Scott Prather, and joining me now, as promised, is Dr. Thomas Fink. No stranger to Lafayette, now working in New Orleans. uh, His first time on the show. Good morning, Dr. Fink. I appreciate you coming on, man. How are you?
1: Good morning, Scott. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on.
0: So I got to ask you as a first-time guest, what is your favorite Beastie Boys song of all time?
1: Uh, Going back to my nascent youth, I'd have to say Intergalactic.
0: I like
2: it.
1: It's a classic. It's good.
0: And usually I could probably guess, you know, your age demo. And when I have a guest on based on what they select, if they select Intergalactic, I know about how old they are. And also know that they know a lot more than just the License to Ill album, which I appreciate. So Intergalactic Classic, great choice, and uh, the song holds up well, man. You hear it; th- you let a kid hear it today, they probably couldn't tell you what year it came out. I think that's the sign of a good song.
1: That is a sign of a good song. I agree. All right,
0: so let's let's get to the real business. Why I brought you on for for to let our audience know, Doctor Fink, uh, what kind of medicine do you practice?
1: I work in a field called PM and R, physical medicine and rehabilitation. Um, we do a lot of non-surgical. Spine and sports-related uh, issues, as well as brain-related issues, concussion, TBIs. Uh, we have a lot of we do a lot of other things, but those are the ones that are germane to our topic of conversation today.
0: So, when when we as consumers of sport hear or read a Jake Laser report on Sunday that Jameis Winston has four fractures in his vertebra, and it's it's a matter of dealing with pain. You know, uh, I, we all sort of have opinions on it, but I'm I'm certainly not a doctor. What, what does that entail? Uh, Exactly how much pain are we talking about and how might an injury like that impact his play?
1: Depends on where the fracture is. Uh, remind me, I, I read that it was a transverse process fracture. Is that correct?
0: Uh, you might, I, off the top of my head,
1: I I, don't know, but. I I think that's what it was. That's what I read. Um, but there's two places uh, that both the transverse spinous process and the um, spinous process on the posterior part—they're basically just extensions of the big vertebral body—and they can break off. You can have fractures there, which is what I believe happened with him. Uh, in that case, you have um, structural damage, but there's no loss of integrity of your spine. So. The things that you're wary of is fractures that would cause danger of your nerves that come out, that exits the spine or your spinal cord in the middle. These types of fractures don't really cause any inherent danger to those things. So it really is, uh, it's not a matter of danger from that standpoint, it is a matter of pain. And um, I can assure you uh, we treat these patients and it is pretty painful to the extent that it would... Uh, I would guess disrupt a lot of nuances in your mechanics, as well as uh, probably your ability to make the definitive decisions.
0: So uh, the the Glazer tweet said. Now that I've got it in front of me, said four fractures from L one down to L four. Um, I don't know exactly what that means, but I think you just you just touched on it.
1: Yeah, there's another type of, you can have a fracture of the vertebral body itself, the big kind of cylindrical body um, that highly doubtful in his age without osteoporosis that you would have that many levels of that fracture. Um, And um, even in that case, even with that, you can have fractures in the body and without loss of structural integrity of the spine, in which case it's still just a matter of pain issue most of the time. I mean, there, there are exceptions with that one. But I I believe it seems like clinically, from what I've heard, that it probably is a process fracture on the outside, which is just you're going to have a lot of tissue inflammation, muscle spasms, um, and pain with that. But you're not worried about neurological damage.
0: Dr. Thomas Fink, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. So, Dr. Fink, when you watch him with your trained eye, does he look like a guy that, in your opinion, is – being impacted in terms of his throws or his play based on the amount of pain he's dealing with. And I get that every football player has pain. I understand that. But specifically, I mean, it's the quarterback and it, it sounds, the way you describe it, I mean, it sounds like it's a very painful thing and your throwing motion and how your back is involved in it, it's, I, think it's, I think it's worth documenting here.
1: Yeah, I agree. I don't, there's no way you could have this kind of injury and not be affected especially considering the position that he plays requires a lot of torque through there. And uh, I think it's probably evidenced by the fact that, in my opinion, his deep passes seem unusually off. He's always maybe struggled with uh, accuracy in the intermediate routes, uh, maybe even some of the shorter routes. But he always seemed to be consistent with his deep passes. And those were a combination of overthrow, underthrow, uh, it just seemed like that was off, and I don't know, it makes sense to me um, biomechanically that that stuff would be affected uh, with this kind of injury, especially with the amount of levels of injury that he has. I'm talking about multiple, um, multiple levels back-to-back to one another. It's not a single level, so there's probably a greater amount of tissue irritation and a greater amount of pain. Dr.
0: Fink, our guest, Dr. Thomas Fink, he works physical medicine and rehabilitation, dealing with non-surgical sports injuries, among many other things, why I wanted to bring him on to discuss this Jameis Winston injury. And I think um, one thing that I wanted to ask you, Dr. Fink, and I've heard it for years, and I, as somebody that, again, I, I know some doctors, um, I'm the son of one, but I, I never quite understand the, the reports that you'll get from somebody in sports that say, well, here are the details of the injury. It can't get worse. You know, it, it will heal, but it's it's only a matter, you know, it's a matter of time and a matter of pain. And I think the way you explained it earlier is, well, he's not in danger of other um, significant spine injuries as it pertains to this one. But I guess my 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 question is, When you hear a report that says it can't get any worse, is that always like I always get skeptical of that. I'm like, look, I if I have a a, a broken bone and I wrap it up with some protective padding, I feel like if somebody knocks it really hard with a helmet, it could get worse. Like, what does that mean? I mean, is there is there logic to that? Is there medical logic to those kind of reports or do they are they maybe having some leniency with their wording of it?
1: Well, there's no guarantees in biology or pathobiology. So, of course, anything's possible. He could take a hit the wrong way and suffer more fractures of his spine. What they mean with that is is within the realm of logic of what normally transpires, he's not – it would take another – this injury doesn't set him up within that context to have – greater structural damage to the bony elements of his spine. It, because his biomechanics are off and he's in pain and maybe he's running weird, he's second-guessing himself, he can set himself up to get hit and incur further injury, but it's most likely probably going to be more soft tissue injury, his back spasming, it hurts down there, he's not moving correctly, um, call it dyskinesia, like he's not, everything's not working synergistically well. So you could get more information, you could pull muscles, things like that. I, I think what they mean when they report that is he's not, uh, he's not setting himself up for further damage of super important things that could cause really great harm, like neurological damage to the nerves exiting, the spinal cord itself, uh, more significant, severe spinal fractures that would cause instability. Those kind of things outside of some kind of freak accident, um, which is, can happen whether you're healthy or not. Uh, you don't really worry about it. It's not enough to stop play.
0: But as far as his and and, and you explained it well, as far as this injury goes, right? The fractures L one to L four in the vertebra. Can they? They say, well, it's a matter of pain. They're they're going to heal. They're going to get better each week. That specific injury can get worse within a game, right? If he's if he's hit a certain way, or if somebody lands on him, like could the healing that specific,
1: that specific injury? No. Okay. The the, the transverse process, if we're assuming that that was the injury. I read that somewhere, somewhere and it just seems like that's probably what it is, whether it's a posterior spinous process or the transverse. Once that's fractured, even if it's fractured off, like all the way through, it's completely fractured off, it's still the same outcome in management, which is it's going to heal. It's not inherently going to cause danger to neuro- neurological structures. Um, and it can't get worse if it's already fractured off. It's I got separated you. from the So the, the body. healing really so.
0: can't be slowed down is what you're saying? Uh, or or the injury can't get worse? Because I, I guess what I'm asking, I should have been more specific, can his healing process to that specific injury be slowed down? Ah, uh, I see what that, you're saying. That's, I should have worded it better. That's what I'm asking.
1: Um, you know, if so, a fracture is going to form a callus, a bone callus. Uh, similar to how you, your skin would form a scab on top, and then it's going to heal from there. I suppose if you started to form callus formation in the first, uh, the ensuing weeks after, and then refractured it again, well, then it would have to form another callus right. and start to heal again. You could slow it down that way. Um, so I suppose that's possible. But like everything in sports and return to play, it's all risk reward benefit analysis with all of medicine, actually every decision you make in medicine. So allowing him to play is basically that sure. He could refracture something. Um, You do need to give it time to heal, but I guess you're correct in saying that if that is, if that answers your question.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I should have worded it better. My my thing is always like, can it slow down? Like I get it. Can't get, Worse, but could it keep it from maybe getting better? Um, and and you did a good job of detailing, I guess, the medical side of it is and what they likely mean when they're reporting this as far as the rest of the spine. And obviously, I, I would like to think that they wouldn't put him out there uh, if if you know his, the rest of his spine could be damaged by by playing on it. I definitely um, understand that side of it. Dr. Thomas Fink has been our guest. He is a doctor in physical medicine and rehabilitation, dealing with non-surgical sports-related uh, issues and injuries. Man, this has been great, uh, Dr. Fink. I appreciate you taking the time, man. And I, th- you know, I think it's good to educate and for all of us to have a better understanding of these things because we kind of talk about it. We look at it from the outside, but we're, we're just observing football. And uh, there's a whole lot more that goes into it. We read you know, in a tweet about an injury. We don't understand you know, the, the complexity of it all. So I appreciate you coming on and, and shedding some light on that.
1: Of course, and uh, I'll end I'll end with this. I should have led with this, but uh, I do um, my training here in New Orleans, and I work here now, but I am from Lafayette, so go Cajuns. There you hey. go.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Fink. Aye. Good stuff there. And insightful for sure. Um, you know, uh, to his point, man, those long balls. It certainly seems to be impacting his play a tough situation to be in as a coach it's also tough to just evaluate how good a player can or can't be but Carolina through two weeks looks like maybe the worst team in the NFL so Sunday feels like a a very important game for determining maybe where the Saints are Atlanta's not great either but this is a this is a big one for a lot of reasons Coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, Jay Walker will be in studio. We'll talk college football, talk about the Cajuns, hit on LSU, and uh, do a little Terrible Tune Tuesday. But up next, we'll continue to hit on the Saints. What is the, outside of QB and, and the injury to Jameis, what is the most alarming concern for this team right now? Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast also does the film study, breaks it down. He's watched the film now from the Saints-Bucks games on Sunday. What was something that maybe stood out to him after watching the film that maybe didn't during the course of the game? We'll ask him all that and more, and it's all coming your way next right here on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticketed sport. <laughs> You, my
1: friend? I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What?
2: You got the best seat in the house.
1: ESPN Lafayette. Lafayette ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app.
2: Welcome back into the great
0: Scott show on a Tuesday. Joining me now is Andrew Juge, co-owner and host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. You know him, you know Ralph, Dave, Kevin, the crew. Good morning, Andrew, how's uh how's life, man? How you feeling after week two of the NFL season?
3: Uh, Scott, doing well, man. Thanks as always for having me on the show. And look, uh, following Dr. Thomas Fink is is a tough act to follow. Uh, but I'm gonna do my best and see if I can deliver.
0: Well, last week Ralph followed Jake Delome, who like had really real in depth NFL analysis for a good forty minutes before Ralph came on and just, you know, kind of crapped all over. So. <laughs>
3: You know, I think you'll be so all nowhere right. to, nowhere to go but up for the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Is
0: what you're saying. <laughs> I'm looking forward to listening to uh, the show later today. Uh, the Saints Happy Hour podcast one of my favorites for sure. It's always in my rotation on my phone and uh, on my drives, and just kind of throughout the day when I have some time. But Andrew, I know that um, you know, I always talk to you. You 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 watch the film, you look at it. Let me start there. Was there anything that after maybe watching again that it didn't stand out during the game, but after a rewatch, after looking more into it, you were like, okay, this this was something that I was more concerned about and maybe am not as much anymore or vice versa. You know, I didn't really notice this, but now I think it's a big concern.
3: Um, you know, I think, well, for, first of all, the game was there for the taking. So I, I think, uh, you know, leaving the Superdome and, Obviously, you lose to Tom Brady. You drop to one and one. Tampa moves to two and zero. Big rivalry, uh, a game that you really felt like you should have won, and then it just went off the rails in the fourth quarter. Uh, five turnovers in the second half, lots of self-inflicted wounds. Um, and I'll tell you what was worse in particular was the drive that Tampa has to go up ten to three. Because you know it's one thing experiencing it in real time, but when you know the touchdown's coming and you see twelve men on the field. Uh, which negates a punt and gives Tampa the ball back. And then you stop them again and they get a defensive holding call uh, that gives them an automatic first down. And then you stop them a third time and you see Bradley Roby get called for a helmet to helmet, you know, forceful contact to the head and neck area where, you know, I got to be honest, he, he, he's grazing the face mask and, and fails to make a tackle there. Uh, that that was a really weak call. It gives Tampa another first down. They were basically gifted three first downs on that drive, and this is all after the marking room fumble, and then they go score the touchdown apps after that. So that that sequence was brutal. and and I think you know a, a lots being made out of the the brawl and a lot's being made out of that being kind of the turning point in the game. But it really, for me, it was the marking room fumble. It was a twelve men on the field. That whole sequence, Uh, made that game go sideways for the Saints. So that was brutal. Uh, As far as the positives, look, I I think you look at last week against the Falcons and the Saints were very poor stopping the run, and that's where they've had their success. I, I think this whole team and the success and the wins they've had over the last three years has been predicated on stopping the run. And so we saw them do that against Leonard Fournette, very effective. Uh, I thought Pete Warner, I thought Shai Cuddle, both in particular, those two guys had tremendous games. So that was really great to see. Um, And I think moving forward, this will give the – hopefully this is a – lynch, hopefully this is uh, kind of the genesis for this defense to kind of get going and be back at that level that we're accustomed to and we know they can be at. Uh, Because I do think ultimately the way this is going for the Saints offensively, this is going to have to be another season where the defense carries them.
0: I mean, one of the worst offenses in the league last year. Certainly, thirty-second in passing. You were hoping with the new additions, and certainly at receiver, that that would improve. And you know, I know a lot of people still expect it to. It's it's hard to it's hard to really gauge Jameis with the injury. And it's I think it's I was say this a minute ago, Juge, I feel like it's easy for us to sit back and say, well, the coach has to has to make his own decision. You know what? Going into that game Sunday. All he has is the doctors on the staff that tell him, look, you know, it's a pain thing. It's a pain threshold. That's that's what it is, and if he can deal with it, then he can play. But, you know, his, his spine is not at further risk from, from that specific injury. He goes to the player, well, this is a player that's lost his starting job before when he got suspended and Ryan Fitzpatrick took over. He's not, and he's worked a while to get a starting job back, right? He's not going to just say okay I'm going to sit this one out not when the backup is I get Andy Dalton in the world beater but it's not like it's Nathan Peterman you know and so then the game starts and at some point do you make a change in the middle of the like it's it's I think the decision would be you know uh, I guess more understandable this week than perhaps last week and I don't expect them to to make a change unless there's a setback or anything but I guess my long rant is to ask you, I mean, what, what's the best way to really gauge Jameis Winston in, you know, how, I mean, can we, can we truly gauge anything right now? Is this just kind of a wait and see if that
3: makes sense? Well, well listen, Scott, I, I think you're either, you're too hurt to play or you're accountable to the performance you put on the field. You know, this, this is the NFL. Ralph said this on our show yesterday and I, I think he's absolutely correct. Uh, this isn't T-ball. You know, you don't get candy for showing up. So uh, you, you either perform well or you don't perform well. And but like you, you make a decision whether you're healthy or not to play. And, and, and Jameis played in that game. And so he's accountable to the film he puts out there and the quality of his performance, which was uh, clearly not good. Now, I I will say this. Uh, The injury obviously had an impact on his performance. From an accuracy standpoint, he was really struggling, especially down the field. Uh, Some of his decision-making was off. Hard to know whether to attribute that to the pain he was feeling, but certainly there was a couple times where uh, I think maybe he scrambles right away, and you wonder if he holds onto the ball a little bit longer, second-guessing, running the football, knowing that his back's not feeling well, maybe not wanting to take a hit. So, So maybe that's baked in there somewhere. It's such a fine line with these decisions that these coaches go through. I mean, you know, I I may be certainly, and I'm not suggesting even for a second that James is on Michael Jordan's level, but, you know, Michael Jordan, the big, the big game that he had with the flu, you know, it's one of those things where if the Chicago bulls lose that game and, and he doesn't play well because he's not feeling well and he has the flu, then everyone would say it's irresponsible for him to, to play in that game, but you know, he played the way he did, and that's where legends are born, and you know, I think Jameis Winston looks at it the same way, like, if I can just find a way to win this game, and he was close, it was that close, I mean, that game was there for the taking, if he just finds a way to win that game, the whole narrative becomes Jameis Winston beating his old team with four broken bird and gray in his back, what a legendary performance, and, and, and that's, that's what Jameis Winston was after there, and it's hard to blame him for playing And the flip side of that is if he performs the way he did, then it's immediately, Oh, well it was irresponsible to play him. And it's a fine line in the NFL. And I would, I would just point out if the saints don't fumble down inside the five there and on that Mark Ingram fumble and they score and they go up ten three, I think they win that game. And, 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 and then all of a sudden, like I said, the narrative changes completely about Jameis. And so uh, everything, all the interceptions, all the mistakes that all happened after that fumble where the Saints get overly aggressive and then try to get back into the game. So, you know, look, I, I think it's a fine line. And unfortunately, it didn't play out in the Saints' favor this week. Um, but I don't blame Jameis Winston for playing. Uh, and I don't blame the coaching staff for putting him out there because you know, there's a history. Like you said, you can't make it any worse. There's, Tony Romo has played effectively with this injury. Uh, Matt Stafford has had this injury in place. So there, there is – history of quarterbacks dealing with this kind of thing and, and finding a way to gut it out. So, uh, but at the end of the day, there's nowhere to hide and, and the stats don't lie. And, and Jameis Winston really struggled with accuracy and the turnovers will get you beat every time.
0: Andrew Juja, I guess. And to be clear, I'm not suggesting that he is, um, you know, shouldn't his, his play shouldn't be criticized. I mean, to your point, you know, if you're playing hurt, it's still not an excuse, right? It's part of the narrative. It, it needs to be pointed out, but it doesn't exonerate, you know, a player from everything because then it's, well, then should you even be playing, right? And that's that's where the conversation comes from. Um, but I, I just think most players, especially a quarterback, you know, someone's like, well, Kamara did it. Well, you know, Kamara's, he's he's not the quarterback. He's not worried about losing his role and, you know, for an injury that is different and, you know, needs needs rest that potentially could get worse. Um, you know, so I, I I just feel like this Sunday, Juge, I don't think Carolina has... I, I think they've arguably been maybe the worst team through two weeks of the season. I mean, they've just been bad. You know, they had they had a late surge against Cleveland that kind of came and, and, and got them into the game, got them a late lead, but it was you know, it mirrored the Saints win week one a little bit in that they played bad for a while and then just kind of got it together in the fourth quarter and went hurry up, but they, they they did not look good last week, and it feels like if you if you have a lot of struggles against Carolina, it's only three games out of a 17-game season, but I think maybe is that, in your mind, maybe a large enough sample size to start having certain concerns, right? I mean, where where do you, in terms of Look, they're one-and-one. One. It's two weeks into the season. How much weight do you put on this week three matchup on Sunday?
3: Yeah, well, this is, this is a big swing game. Because remember, now, NFC South matchups, they, they kind of count double. And you're looking at you're one-and-one you're one right now. You win this game in Carolina. That's two wins in the division. And you're kind of right back on schedule. And, you know, for all the disappointment and – and the outrage that's out there right now, I feel like the Saints go on the road and win this game at Carolina. And think things are feeling pretty good. And you drop this game, you go one and two. That's two, that's two losses in the NFC South. Uh, and, and we'll see what Tampa does. But all of a sudden you're chasing and the Saints are behind schedule at that point. And, and, and I think it, it, the season becomes more difficult. So this is a big one to pick up. And... I'm not going to call it a must win way too early in the season for that, but this is a, this is an important game and we'll see how the Saints show up and how they play. Look, I mean, right now the reality is Jameis Winston has looked objectively terrible for seven out of eight quarters. Um, And so as we come into this game, that's not going to cut it. I mean, you know, this defense is so good. I think this roster is talented and, he, he just has to be just good enough. I, I, he, here's the thing. They can win with Jameis Winston. Mediocre quarterbacking is enough. We, we saw it last year. They won games with Taysom Hill at quarterback. So mediocre quarterbacking is enough. If you don't stand in the way of the talent and the defense on this roster, you can win games. And they can win games with Jameis Winston, but he cannot play the way he did. The Saints are really fortunate to be one and one There's a world in which they're 0-2 right now, and if it weren't for Jameis Winston getting hot in the fourth quarter of that game in Atlanta, uh, then I think a lot of people are starting to hit the panic button. And, and so with Jameis Winston now, I think his leash is pretty short. Uh, he can't play three terrible quarters and go two minute, hurry up and put some stats together again. That, that, that's not going to work. And so I, I think he's got the, and it's not just on him, obviously, just, but offensively, uh, the Saints have, been, have really struggled to put together any sort of passing game through three quarters and back-to-back games. And they've got to come out of the gate playing better football than that.
0: Andrew Juge, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. Final question, Juge. Um, through two weeks of the season, what is what is your biggest concern right now for this football team?
3: Yeah, I mean, I would say it's to play at the quarterback position. You know, honestly, I know we're we're kind of harping on it, but – I I've been reassured a little bit by the play of the offensive line. I know some people would be quick to point out six sacks this past week, but I think a lot of that was on communication, not picking up blitzes and a lot of that's pre-snap identification. Uh, I think some of it is drops are too deep. Sometimes it's the quarterback hanging onto the ball too long, not climbing the pocket effectively. So a lot of that is on Jameis Winston, uh, not solely, uh, but, uh, you know, I I think the play there has to be better. Now, there's no excuses now. Like you said, they went out and they got Chris Olave, Michael Thomas is back. They went out and they got Jarvis Landry. There are weapons there. Uh, There are mismatches. uh, And look, you can't really blame the play calling because while the Saints were very aggressive about getting vertical in that game, those throws were there to be made. You know, a more accurate quarterback hits Chris Olave for two touchdowns in that game. And maybe then it's a different scenario. So, Uh, I think the play there has to be better. I I am concerned about the pass rush on the other side, just one sack through two games. Uh, But I think Tom Brady had a lot to do with that. Uh, I think if you see this become a problem again against Baker Mayfield and they go three weeks in a row, uh, then we have a problem on our hands, but I'm willing to dismiss it as Tom Brady just being so effective at getting the ball out quickly uh, in week, in week two. So I think moving forward, the Saints' pass rush needs to be a little bit better, but you know, overall, you can know, have the mistakes. Uh, and, and I'm not just talking about the five turnovers. Obviously, that was killer. But, you know, three penalties on special teams. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore has now been ejected from one game and had a personal foul in another on the last play of the game that set up a 62-yard field goal, and the Saints could have lost because of that mistake. So, the book is out on Lattimore. And teams know that they can get after him and he can overreact and have a personal foul, maybe get ejected. So teams are going to go after him, try to get in his head. Uh, So I think limiting mistakes is going to be the biggest thing. The Saints look a little undisciplined. Uh, They look a little bit uh, lacking in poise. And so I think that's going to be – they're going to need to have their head on straight going into Carolina.
0: The interesting thing about Lattimore, you bring him up, and we'll close with this, Andrew, and I appreciate you taking the time. It's like you do want to reel him in to where he's not just making those mistakes but, like, what's always been the thing about Lattimore? When he is engaged, he is, you know, one of the best in the world at what he does. And then whenever he's kind of just like, yeah, you know, I, this is some, you know, UDFA that, that I don't know about, he doesn't play great, at least up to his standard, you know? So can, can you as a staff figure out how to harness him in a little bit without neutering him, if that makes sense? And I think, I think that's a challenge because I think if you take away some of that edge, you know, you're not getting that Lattimore that that is that is really good, and yet he can't hurt the team. So I don't know, man. It's it's kind of a conundrum. You, you don't want to take away that thing that makes him great, but you don't want him to hurt the team either in a crucial moment. So
3: I don't know. No, you, you definitely you definitely want him to keep that edge about him. That's for sure. And uh, it's a good point. You know, he, he's in a lead corner when he is locked and loaded, and so you want him to have that edge, but. Uh, He's just got to be smarter and and aware uh, because uh, I think teams are going after him now. And look, as a side note, I'll just quickly say uh, for him to be ejected alongside Mike Evans uh, was just a travesty, quite frankly. And uh, I think that was the decision. Look on the heels of that, obviously Tampa scores their first touchdown as soon as Lattimore's out of the game. So uh, that, that, that was a killer penalty. And at the end of the day, I think the NFL, Kind of confirmed that by saying that, hey, we're going to suspend Mike Evans, but Lattimore doesn't get a suspension. So in real time, telling me that both players get ejected, offsetting penalties, these are basically equal infractions. But on the other side of it, only the Tampa player gets suspended. Obviously, they weren't equal infractions. And so uh, I feel like the NFL may be contradicting themselves a little bit there.
0: Andrew, I appreciate you taking the time. Real quick, tell our listeners where they can find you and uh, check out all the content that you guys provide.
3: Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, always a pleasure. We're called the Saints Happy Hour Podcast. Um, you can find us wherever you listen to your podcast or uh, visit us on all forms of social media. And if you consider becoming a patron, you get access to all of our daily stuff. Uh, we'll mail you a, a box of swag, and uh, you'll get access to our Discord where you can chat with uh other Saints fans so uh, lots of goodies there you can visit our website to find out more about that at saintshappyhour.com
0: always appreciate it man all the best and I look forward to listening to the big show later today sounds good thanks so much Scott you got it Andrew Juge hanging out with this good stuff from him Jay Walker going to be hanging out with us next hour he is in studio we'll talk some college football Sunbelt had their best weekend ever and then had arguably the reverse of it last weekend. We'll talk a little UL, we'll talk LSU, and we'll do a little Terrible Tune Tuesday, among other things. Don't go anywhere. It's all coming your way right here. The Great Scott Show at ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in
1: sports.
0: ESPN
1: Lafayette
0: ESPN Lafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app
2: Great Scott The Great Scott Show And as they head into the final furlong all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show The Champion With Scott Prather Steal the show
0: hello everybody welcome into the great Scott show on a Tuesday hour number two don't be fooled by the hair that he's not he's still he's still Jay Walker from the block that's me good morning hi so how you feeling today good good I feel great was it weird to experience a loss in the booth that had been
2: over a calendar year well you know it's it's on the air in the pregame show, I made the comment to Gerald. I said, you know, at some point in time, this is going to end. You know, you just hope it's not tonight. And as it turned out, it happened to be uh, that particular game. But, you know, I don't know anybody who thought this was going to continue. And like I said, uh, uh, like I said to him, I said, I don't think we're going to break Oklahoma's all time winning streak here. Yeah. I don't think we're going to win 56 in a row. Um, and you know it. It didn't. Okay, you know me. Okay, I don't get too high. I don't get too low. All right, I I pretty much stay even keel. That, you know? that
0: that's true. I don't know that I would have said that about you, like when I first met you. But that's certainly been the case for a while
2: now. And and you know there are there are times when that doesn't hold true. Like when we won the Sun Conference Championship, I was pretty pretty damn happy last year. Um. So it it was a little bit different, but not a ton different. You know, you still you still got to describe the action. You still got to talk about it after the game. You still got to go ahead and and you know make sure your sponsors are taken care of. You know, you you got and I uh, when we got off the air, I just said, "Well, start a new streak next week." You know, uh, and if it's not next week, then the week after. It was. Um, it was disappointing because I think time will tell whether I'm right or not, but I think the Cajuns lost to an inferior team. Um, but they didn't play well. And, and you know, the only thing I can say about it is they kind of got what they deserved because they didn't play well.
0: The offense was was really bad. Um, it, it was, they struggled to move the football. Um, when you're still plus in the turnover department, which they've been for a while now, I don't know what they are this week nationally, but I know they were ranked number two last week, and they were, what, plus two on Saturday?
2: Plus two on Saturday.
0: And you still lose by double digits. I mean, that that tells you that, yeah, the offense had some problems.
2: Um, Got to go back and look at the last time the Cajuns had got two turnovers in a game and lost. I mean, you've got to go back before the streak started. I think well before the streaks. Yeah,
0: when they were plus two. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, yeah, it was it was it was very disappointing. Um, you know, I, I I don't know if I ever said it on the air, but I said to a lot of people, I said I think this team's going to win games, but the margin for error is going to be pretty small. Unlike the last couple of years, where you know the Cajuns had what uh, seven wins last year by uh, game Yeah. Um, in those games, they didn't play particularly well, but they were good enough to win because they had, they had enough talent to win. Um, this team's margin for error is much smaller. On, oh, yeah. on, on nights when they go out and execute well, on both sides of the football, they can beat anybody. And I said this before the season started, and of course, some fans jump my ass for it, but that's fine. I said that this team was capable of beating anybody on, their, on the schedule. And I said the team is also capable of not beating anybody on the schedule if they go out and play poorly. And I stand by what I said. It's the first loss
0: in over a calendar year. You see a lot of overreaction. Oh, of course. Now, I I was talking to Coach about this yesterday. I'm like, look, everyone's human. I kind of get annoyed by it during a game. But it's also during a game. Like, you're in your feelings, right? Everyone is. Sure. Whenever a few days pass and it's still just, like, overreaction, that's what I'm like, look, like, good Lord, calm down. <laughs> they lost the game. Um, yeah. The Sun Belt, let's look at the Sun Belt for a minute. Ten days ago was the best day in the history of the conference, certainly from a football standpoint. They did not become one of the best group of five conferences on that day that that was that had been that had been like that for a little while, but they built to that, and they did not become you know they did not fall off of the top of that g five mountain so to speak, based on the awful day they had Saturday. My point is you 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 celebrate the wins, you celebrate the big moments, you can agonize over the losses. But none of it is all just—Rome wasn't built in a day. No. And you in, can't be—you know, you can be a prisoner of the moment. But when, you're, when, when that moment just is perpetual for you, then, you, you know, you need, to, you need to go see somebody. You need to talk to somebody about it.
2: I was having a beverage with a friend last night. Brought up the game Saturday. And they asked me what I thought and, 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 you know, what my emotions were. And I said, you know, a long time ago, I realized that my happiness cannot depend on 18 to 22 year old kids. Okay. It can't, you know, you, you have to, you have to enjoy the wins. You have to be disappointed over the losses, but I, I think the thing about not being reactionary is the biggest thing that I had to learn. And, and it wasn't, you know, when I first started doing this, I, I, I wouldn't in that number, okay? I, man, you know, losses just, it made me angry. You know, I, I remember the first year, and, and, and the Cajuns were like 2-9, and nine, right? But we went to Auburn. And we had them beat. We had them beat. This is what, 91? Uh, 92.
0: 92.
2: We had, we intercepted a pass. Cajuns were up by two. Intercepted a pass. Had the ball inside the Auburn 20. Three minutes left. I mean, we're getting ready to put the game away. And on the first play, we fumble. Auburn recovers. They use their timeouts. They kick a field goal on the last play of the game to win. I was furious. I was P.O.'d. And if that would happen today, I'd be really disappointed. Um, but I wouldn't be mad. Florida in 2012.
0: There was a lot of anger after that one. Not for not, me. Not, not for me. you. I'm talking about all these airways.
2: No, No, people, people were P.O.'d. He
0: cut the rope. Yeah. He cut the rope. He said yeah. oh, he cut it.
2: Oh my God. You know It was that was a game they should have won. Extremely sure. disappointing loss. Sure. But you know, it didn't suddenly make the guy a horrible coach. It didn't, you know it, 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 there wasn't, you know, if there were millions of dollars of property damage it was self inflicted. So how do you balance
0: that, right? I I I've I've grown to except not any take, but a lot of takes in the moment. Like I said, it's the next day or the day after where I start getting annoyed. Right. Um, how do you balance not being a prisoner of the moment and yet analyzing things
2: that are concerning? Well, you know, first of all, I, I, I want to be fair here and say that everybody's entertainment is my career, okay? I do for a living... Something where everybody else affiliated with it, it's their entertainment. And so, just by the definition, things have to be looked at differently because I'm, I'm, look, when I sit down, I'm not a fan. I'm, I'm, I I want the team to win. And you can probably tell by my voice if the team's winning or not. But, you know, um, but I'm not a fan. I'm, I'm, I'm working. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my job. And then afterwards, I, 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 if I'm going to become a fan and get overjoyed or really disappointed or mad even, you know, 24 hours, you got to flush it. You got to get ready for the next one, at least with what I do. Now, if fans want to, you know, stay mad until next Saturday, I, I guess they can if they want to. Um but i don't think that they're doing right by the student athletes if they if they have that attitude
0: eighteen years of of doing this for me i i don't know at what point it happened, but at some point i I stopped getting fanatical about the college sports mm-hmm. and i don't know if it's just because you you there's there's more of a human element to it. Um, you know, I know individuals, it just, I don't know, it, 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 it wasn't something that just happened at once. It kind of, you know, UL or LSU games. I mean, it was just like, it was, it was a, it was a devastating lot. Now I am still like that with pro sports with my teams. Sure. You know, if the Mets choke in the playoffs, when the Pelicans do something dumb and obviously the Saints just, they can, they can play with my emotions every single week that's still in me and I don't know why. I don't know I don't know at what point but it did it slowly evolved and it's been like that for a little while now as far as college sports go and I'm kind of glad it does like I I I feel like there's there's this I still have that barrier between me and 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 even though I you know I I know people in the Pelicans front office and certainly on the media team and I know a couple of guys on the Saints. Like, there's still a human element there, and yet there's still this like barrier between me and that. But in college sports, it's just totally a human thing where I'm like, I, I, I'm rooting for the humans here, but I'm not. I can't get emotionally invested the way I used to, and I don't. I don't know how or why it happened, but it just it did over time. Jay.
2: Um. Yeah. You know. I don't know how long it was. I'm going to say was probably seven, eight, nine years ago. Okay. I'm watching a game and I'm on social media during the game. All right, I'm tweeting during the game. And and it had to have been a Saints game, because it certainly wasn't an NBA game. Um and you know, game was over. They 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 snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. And I think it was against the Patriots, you know, um, Oh, yeah. It was when Brady threw one. It was in 2013. He threw a touchdown at the end of the game. There was a blatant hold on the last play, by the way. There you go. Uh And it was the Saints' first loss of that season, actually. And and so I'm, you know, I'm furious. And I'm just – and a couple of days later, I went back and read all of the things that I wrote, and I said, you know what? (laughs) You know what? I don't think I'll ever do that again. And I haven't. I have not gone on social media during a game and tweeted. Whether it was, it doesn't matter the sport. I haven't done it, and I'll probably never do it again.
0: I'm still mad about that game. It was nine years ago. I'm still mad about that game.
2: Yeah, and, and, and the
0: Saints would have won the division that year if they hadn't lost that game. And they, you know they ended up winning a road playoff game for the first time ever that season. But that's beside the point. That man, they that they that.
2: If now, that game. there are some people that do that that are entertaining as hell, okay? You know, Kevin Foote during the Saints game, is that's great entertainment. You know, and, and, and I, I, I want to know how many times during a, a certain period of time in the fourth quarter that he used the term cheater. A lot. A, a lot, because he a was lot. right.
0: I, um... I like I, I I do get on Twitter during games but it's sometimes it's more fun when it's just a big national game that I have no interest in because sure. then it's just I'm just it's just time to get jokes off. That's mm-hmm. what it's about. Yep. It's about it's about having fun at other fans expense. Uh, but uh, when dude, it's your
2: team, man? It's it's different. Dude, I realize we're only two games into the season, but how good is Buffalo?
0: Tell you what, Buffalo and Philly are probably one and two in the league last night, and they demolished the competition. Yeah, Buffalo is better
2: than advertised. Better than advertised. And and, <laughs> I, and, and that, considering that a lot of people picked them to win the Super Bowl this yeah. year, and you say they're better than advertised. They were the odds-on favorite to yeah. win the Super Bowl. They yeah. were my
0: pick to get to the Super Bowl. I know, I know, this is a normal thing. Everyone's picking Buffalo, but I think they're the best team. And holy cow, man. Josh Allen. Remember how many people were dunking on Buffalo how could you draft Josh yeah. Allen? Yeah. Baker Mayfield. Baker. <laughs> God. Baker Mayfield was talking trash about Buffalo. I don't understand how you could make that pick. It's like bro that that's a that's
2: that's that's pretty ripe coming from you from years ago. And and you know what's cool? They also now have with possible exception of Justin Tucker, the best kicker. And, um, and that's a Georgia Southern guy. Yeah. It's a Sunbelt dude. Yeah. Tyler Bass. He's good. Here's the thing. So there's certain teams, obviously,
0: it's, it's Saints ride or die. But after that, they're, they're, they're fan bases that, like, you would genuinely, like, if the Lions, as long as it doesn't impact the Saints, I'll root for the Lions. Because God bless that fan base. I mean, they have been, they've been tortured. Sure. Dan Campbell's easy to root for. Um. You know, I know Tracy Walker in the defense, they're not great, but it looks like their offense is better. Just them getting in the playoffs would be big. With Buffalo, with their history, if they don't win at all this year, it's going to be absolutely agonizing for that fan
2: base. Well, you know, they got so agonized, you know, the last two years to to lose late like they did. Um, and then, the you know.
0: Going back to the nineties,
2: obviously. And, yeah, I mean, that, look, right. that that the, the that Music fan, City Miracle, I that mean, fan, that fan base has been has been suffering for about thirty years now, and um, yeah. Now, I don't know if you saw, Marv Levy was actually at the game last night. Marv Levy is now ninety seven years I old. I was about to ask you,
0: holy cow,
2: ninety seven? Well, good for him. Yeah.
0: Holy cow, ninety seven?
2: Ninety seven. And look, I mean, he came out had the had the microphone and and had yeah, something but, to say. Yeah, I mean, it's a, not like it's not like they 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 wheeled him in and and he was like unresponsive. I mean, he was he was happening.
0: Jim, him and Jim Moore, they must they must drink out of the same like tuck everlasting. Now I know Jim's younger than him. Jim's eighty seven, but Jim Jim is as sharp as ever. Yeah, he looks good. He, he looks great. He's, you put a mic on him, he's, he's he talks great. Um, shout out to both of those guys, man. Old school right there. I dig it. Uh, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. So talking about older players, the fact that Brady's 45 is is just, it, I, I know we say it a lot, but it is kind of crazy and wacky.
2: Does he look like he's having fun this year, though? Doesn't he look kind of miserable? Well, you know, he's got, this decision to retire and then unretire has caused him some great grief at home. Right. And so, no, I don't think, I don't think he's having as much fun because
0: happy wife, G- happy life. Yeah,
2: Giselle's pissed. Okay,
0: he he just looks, and I know he, you know, he's he's sitting out now every Wednesday. Tampa's like, do whatever you want because without you, we're nothing. Um, and he's he's looked okay. I mean, he didn't even look that great Sunday, but I, I aside from that, it's Brady. He could turn it on one week. Who knows? It's just he just looks. Like, he is not having fun at all. And if you make this decision, and I don't know, it, it, to, to say, well, man, you can just flip that switch on and off. When your personal life is 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 having struggles, you can't. I mean, maybe some people can. Maybe they can. That's their escape. But not for Brady, because he does not look happy. He just, every time you see him, he looks... He kind of looks like Gozer from the, the Ghost from Ghostbusters too. He's He's very... He's got, like, this weird... He looks he looks frail. Not that he's playing bad, but he just he looks he looks off, Jay.
2: Something weird going on. I don't I don't disagree with that. At, mm,
0: Great song. A song that would never be on TTT.
2: That's correct. I mean, he had other hits, didn't he? Ray Did, Parker Jr.? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like
0: that's the song, though, that most people know him for. Absolutely. That's the only song I know him for. But Kean Peele did a sketch once that was hilarious, and it was about... Ray Parker Jr. was just doing... He had so much success with Ghostbusters, he just started doing, like, songs to other movies. And... But then the movies got more ridiculous, like My Kumpf and, like... other, <laughs> And he was, like, singing, like, the plots of these, like, really serious, dark movies, but in a happy tune... Those guys are great. ESPN Lafayette, 20 minutes after 8 o'clock. We'll get into Terrible Tune Tuesday in just a little bit. Um, I know you didn't see LSU. Uh, I saw a little bit of it, but second half, they kind of ran away with it. It seems like they found their quarterback and their old lines are proven a little bit. I only say that to say, talking about being a prisoner in the moment, I mean, it, it... you got a new coach. You got a new quarterback. You got a lot of new stuff happening. You know, it takes a little while to kind of gel and figure some things out.
2: Only well, had a big fourth quarter because um, they were they were losing going into the fourth quarter, and, but they had a big fourth quarter. Um, got got a win. You know, look, they were they were slight underdogs at home,
0: plus two and a half.
2: Yeah, and and you know now you've got New Mexico this week before you really you know get into the. Then the it's new- Auburn who got. Oh, oh no look. You know, Auburn Brian Harson is not going to last the rest of the season. I I don't see it happening.
0: I mean, did you see Penn State winning by the 41 to 12 at the Plains? That was not I look, I I actually thought Penn State I thought Penn State would win.
2: I, I thought Penn State it, would win. But
0: yes. not 41 to 12. No. That was that was eye-opening. I think more so for Auburn than Penn State honestly. Oh, absolutely. Um it was it was it was pretty surprising, but you know, you got your teams. You got your teams at the top, as far as college football this past week goes. You know, we mentioned the Sun Belt. They went from the best week ever to, to
2: they were two and nine it was, in non-conference play. It was, and and, was and you bad. know what? You know what's crazy is, you know, you have all this conference realignment and stuff, and you know, folks are saying Sun Belt might be the best group of five league, and and that other league is probably the worst. And the in the uh, the Sun Belt went 0 three against Conference USA uh, in the games on Saturday. And 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 I and and I'll say this, you know, the, the Cajuns lost to Rice. That was you know something that was unforeseen. But Charlotte is one of the worst teams in the country, and they beat Georgia State. Georgia
0: State lost by a touchdown to UNC. Like I I, how do you how do you lose to Charlotte? You give up forty-two to Charlotte. Jeff. Yeah, that was probably the worst performance. I, I look Cajuns. There wasn't a good performance by them. There were a lot of losses out of conference, but the loss to Charlotte might have been. I, I think that was probably the worst one of the
2: weekend. Yeah, Mar- Marshall losing to Bowling Green was bad too. Talk about a letdown. Game. Yeah, that game. That game was in uh, went into overtime. Um, fortunately, you had some of the greatest drama in the country to where. People aren't talking as much about the Sun Belt going 2-9 and nine as they are about um, the, uh, the Hail Mary prayer being answered. App State had the
0: best day for any team in the Sun Belt because they got an incredible advertisement for hours with College Game Day. It was not in December, so you didn't have to look at College Game Day like they were in a, an icicle. Um, the fans brought it. You knew they would. It was, uh, and then they, they, you know, they didn't lose. It would have been a letdown if they had lost. Not only did they not lose, but they won on just a, a crazy Hail Mary play. So, um, it, was a,
2: it was a good day for App State. We're, we're watching the game on our phone, all right? And um, it was, you know, Troy, you know, it's, it, it's fourth down. And I said, they're going to take a safety right here. And... And Gerald said, well, that would be stupid because now a field goal beats you. I said, but, but they're going to they're run a lot of time off the clock. Well, first of all, they didn't run as much time off the clock as I thought they'd be able to. I think it was five seconds and that was it. Then they decide to squib instead of kicking the ball deep or punting it. Get the hang time. Man. Get the hang time. Um, and even with that game should have been over and you know it is there is no question and I think some people asked the question was that a designed play the answer is yes not a doubt in my mind that that was a designed play he was just waiting for it that off the tip you know you the job is to go up tip the ball and you come around at the perfect time you grab it and if you look, when he was running That's to the end zone, he had, a, he had a blocker there. He was, right, he was ready. He was shielding it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a design play. They're knocking it down,
0: ideally, the opponent. They're not knocking it behind them. Some of those crazy Hail Mary plays, you'll see the ball just get knocked up and behind them. But they're, they're taught knock it down. So if they do knock it down, if you're in front of them, and you're already on the move. Now, easier said than done. Right, but that was that was just. Did you see the video of the Troy sorority girls? No. <laughs> oh, I gotta show it to you during a break. There might be a curse word or two, so I don't think I could play the audio. But it's the sorority, and they're all they're filming themselves because they're about to start celebrating, and some of them start cheering, and all of a sudden it's like, oh
1: no no
0: no! <laughs> it's wow, it's pretty funny. Uh, wild innings are always fun unless you're on the wrong end of it. Out of the NFL, fantasy football aside, when you get mad at a player who can go in for a touchdown and just goes down to guarantee victory, remember the Jets-Browns game from this past week. I mean, the Browns, Nick Chubb scores, where if he goes down, the game is over. It's over. But, you know, it's Nick Chubb, get the yards, get the touchdown. And you sh- and, and a lot of people say, oh, well, he's, he's not thinking about that. Some running backs do. Yeah. And Nick Chubb is w- one of the best running backs in the world. I bet he did think about it and said, nah, we're good. I mean, it's the Jets. The Jets score a touchdown in no time after that. Get the onside kick. Oh, by the way, Cade York, who had the 58 yarder in week one to win, missed a PAT after the Chubb touchdown. That's worth pointing out. So it's 30 to 17. Jets score, onside kick, score again. Max Mitchell with a great block on Miles Garrett, by the way, on the game winning touchdown. Extra point good. Flacco and the Jets win. The win probability with all the Accustats computers. After the Chubb touchdown was ninety nine point nine percent. There you go. And I said, look, these computers—they need to have a little curve when they're dealing with teams like the Falcons and Browns, because you know I, I feel like they're not taking into an account, taking into account some of the uh, the history of these franchises, perhaps some karma. But if Chubb goes down, they win twenty three seventeen. No one's even given it a second thought. Instead, they're one and one. If you have the win, don't get greedy. Just get down. Just get down. <laughs> ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Well, welcome back, Scott Prather, Jay Walker, ESPN Hello. Lafayette. I want to remind you guys you have a few more days left to sign up for the Ultimate Tailgate Pack UL Homecoming. Tailgate for 50, Fizzo Seafood Steakhouse and Oyster Bar. They're going to set you up tent, tables, chairs, cook the delicious food, provide the water and soft drinks. They have a weight staff for you. 50 of you You and 49 friends, plus 50 tickets to the game. It could be yours, but you got to sign up. Click on Tailgate for 50 over on the ESPN Lafayette app or at ESPNLafayette.com. Jay, there are some memorable calls over the years, but um, boy, you know, I always liked, rest in peace, I I, I apologize for not remembering the guy's name, but the guy from Auburn they called the, the kick six. Right. That one is cool because they do kind of start getting into it, but it's not until they know it's happening. And so you hear the buildup and then you hear the joy and then they can't believe it. Man, with what happened on Saturday in Boone, you just, it was, you you didn't really get a detail of what happened on the play.
2: Adam Witten does the play-by-play for App State and uh, he was not doing the play-by-play the first time App came guy by the name of David Jackson was David is doing the ESPN Plus stuff it, and he's an outstanding broadcaster. Um when when uh, when App State came last year uh for that game in the middle of the week I took Adam and, and his uh, his analyst to old time for lunch and I've been a hero to him ever since. <laughs> Adam is a great great guy and um proud to be associated with him in the league. Um so we're going to forgive Adam if he kind of lost his stuff a little bit here. Here is the call from
0: uh, Varsity Sports and the Appalachian State uh, Radio Network, powered by Learfield. App State's win on the final play of the game against Troy. We'll see. See how many Troy rushes here. They have everybody back to try to knock one down. Three-man
3: rush. Chase going to step up in the pocket. Sets. Throws high into the air. It's up for grabs. It is juggle. <laughs> 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 he got to go
2: it, He got to go tear it, it. He He got it. He got it. He oh. 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 well, oh oh. got it. He got it. He
3: got it. He 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 Gosh, yes sir! Win. What a play! Deflected back into the arms of Christian
2: Horde. And he want... stormed the field. App State wins on Miracle on the Mountain Part 2. Oh. Final score App State 32. Troy 28. It is great to be out here. Woo! The, um, the analyst is the guy who was screaming so loud he was distorting everything. You know, Adam, you could you could still kind of understand what he was saying if you listen real close. The the other dude just lost. It. He
0: was he couldn't shut up. He was just like an excited puppy dog. It was a crazy play, crazy finish. Uh, that's going to do it for the Great Scott show today, Jay. It's always great to see you, bud. Good to see you too. Cajuns Monroe this this weekend this weekend at ULM um, seven o'clock kickoff yeah five o'clock pregame right here on the flagship powered from Learfield and uh, Jay and Gerald and Cody will have the call for you Louisiana versus ULM I will talk to you guys tomorrow speaking of Gerald he usually joins me on Wednesdays we'll have him on tomorrow working on another guest as well wanted to talk a little MLB with you Jay but we ran out of time but uh let's do it next week
2: 102 wins for the Dodgers
0: The Mets are going to the playoffs.
2: 102 wins for the Dodgers.
0: Don't go anywhere. The Dan Patrick show is next. The NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. I'm Scott Prather, and I'm telling you to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 1420 to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1420 only at DraftKings Sports. Book an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued is free bets. One boost for eligible game. Opt-in required. Parlay wage restriction apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. License partner Gold Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem call 770 stop